out there operating without any decent restraint, totally beyond the pale of any acceptable human conduct. CBR Street Gang, local law-abiding, standing by, over. Charging a man with murder in this place was like handing out speeding tickets at the Indy 500. That is an excerpt from the fantastic Francis Ford Coppola movie, Apocalypse Now, one of my top three favorite movies of all time, only because of the richness of the, the movie, the, the dialogue, and the, and the premise, the premise of the story. And you heard it here. Call it, uh, charging a man with murder is like handing out speeding tickets at the Indy 500. And the, the movie's premise, and as, as the, you become more familiar with this program, Speaking Out America, with your host, J.R., the premise is that if you're going to fight, fight to win. And that was the lesson of Colonel Kurtz, was that he was a colonel who was sent out to do a job, which was to take out the Vietnamese, the, the Chai Coms. And it's based on another book. It's a classic book, Heart of Darkness. The point, the moral of the story is that you have to, if you're, if you're going to kill, you have to embrace brutality. You can't kill being a nice guy. And that's what he did. But he was so good at his job that he was upsetting the colonels and the generals back at the Trang who wanted to make this a long, protracted war. And that has always been the American problem since World War II. The war machine is so powerful. The military-industrial complex is so powerful. And it's, it's not a, a complicated affair by no means. I mean, McDonnell Douglas, Raytheon, there are large military-grade companies out there that produce weapons that are not cheap. Uh, you heard, what was it, when they were shooting down that balloon and they missed? That was a $300,000 missile that, missed, that didn't hit its target. $300,000 it takes to make one missile. I used to uh, work at Raytheon, actually. I was a temp worker. They have a facility in Goleta, California. And uh, you have to have security. And, and But their job is to work for and get contracts from the State Department of the Pentagon or the military, the DOD, and they build weapons. And what happens is, is the amount of money that these organizations make uh, is paid by the taxpayer. But it, some of it gets turned right back around and goes into the coppers for re-election. And this is why Democrats tend to cozy up with military-industrial complexes because the money involved, there's a picture that's circulating right now on the, on the Internet. There's, a, there's, I guess, an air base in Poland, and there's three football fields worth of U.S. military tanks, trucks, hardware, uh, all kinds of artillery, launchers. As far as the eye can see, three football fields. That's, that's almost a 1,000 yards of nothing but military, U.S. military equipment. Where is it going? Is it going to Ukraine? We don't know. The DOD will not specify. Now, some have said that the equipment was put over there because of training exercises that, had, uh, that were underway a few weeks ago with U.S. military, and they're headed back home. But we don't know. Uh, I would suspect that with what's happening in Ukraine now with Bakhmut uh, and the Russians in a forward advance, that 
it could likely sit there. And I think that probably the reason this video is floating on the Internet is propaganda. We want our Russian counterparts to see it uh, with the unspecific purpose of it. They see the picture. Wow, look at all that military hardware. But, oh, it's not for sure going to Ukraine. It could. It's just propaganda. But back to my original point, the military-industrial complex is a hugely profitable billion-dollar industry. And you can't discount it as, as having some influence. And this is, this is where I, as a U.S. citizen, become very concerned. Because we're talking about, you know, we go around the world and we are to believe that we do good things in the America exports its American way, you know, freedom, liberty, all those things that you and I believe in. Uh, there was a story that came across the other day where Samantha Powers, she was part of the Obama administration, and she uh, she is in Hungary this week. What is she doing in Hungary, you wonder? Well, actually, she did a little tweet, and she told everybody what she was doing in Hungary. Here's what she's doing. As USA Administrator, I have the chance to travel all around the world to engage with people who are working every day to strengthen democratic institutions, to build independent media, and to... Okay, so she's over in Hungary to reinforce democratic institutions and build the media. Is, is that what we do? We go into countries and we... Well, let's listen a little bit more to what she has to say about her job. ...and protect human rights. I'm here in Hungary, one of the countries in Central Europe where USAID has recently relaunched programming to tackle just these challenges. I'm gonna spend the next couple days engaging with Hungarians about their vision for a brighter future. Okay, really? Here's what I think is happening. I think she's spying. I think she's over there to find some key supporters of the Democratic uh, administration, the Biden administration. Hungary is a very conservative country very Christian, conservative country. Their, their president, Orban, is quite controversial. He does not like the EU. He wants to run his country the way he sees fit. It is not a big country on things like LGBTQ rights and things of that nature. Uh, they do not want to engage with Ukraine and get involved in the Russian war. So it seems to me that the reason Samantha Powers is over there is to leverage U.S., pressure. You will do this for us or we will not do this for you. So listen again to what she says. She is the head of USAID, which is a in, which is an NGO that is supported by tax dollars. And they're not the military, they're not the state department, they're not the Department of Defense. Uh they're not the Pentagon. It is an NGO that goes around the world sticking its nose into everybody else's business leveraging United States uh, authority or hegemony. So here is Samantha Powers. Not that that would be a bad thing if we weren't going around starting these dirty little wars like the one that we're seeing now in Ukraine. Uh, you know, I'm all about exporting liberty and freedom and McDonald's and capitalism and free market principles, but I'm not about toppling governments or regimes or uh, usurping the authority and creating chaos in a country that just wants to have its own destination, doesn't want to be influenced by the American way. So Samantha Powers, once again, describing, listen very carefully to the way she describes her 
her job at hand. As U.S. Administrator, I have the chance to travel all around the world to engage with people who are working every day to strengthen democratic institutions, to build independent media, and to promote and protect human rights. I'm here in Hungary, one of the countries in Central Europe where USAID has recently relaunched programming to tackle just these challenges. I'm gonna spend the next couple days engaging with Hungarians about their vision for a brighter future. One that includes America telling you what to do. And by the way, you better be waving the LGBT, uh, LGBTQ flag the next time we show up. So uh, what is this all about? We started off talking about the premise of, of a war movie, and we talked about the Ukraine war, which has taken a turn for the worst. I mentioned on the program yesterday that I thought that this is a turning point in the conflict. America has to decide whether it wants to back Ukraine 100% through the use of military power, which I don't think is a good thing. I don't think this is a war we should be involved with, but, you know, I'd like to see diplomacy. I'd like to see Ukraine retain its, uh, you know, its own, what do they call that? Uh, autonomy, that's right. But they're going to give up, they're going to have to give up a little bit of Eastern Russia to do it, and that's what Putin wants. Putin also doesn't want Ukraine to join NATO because he knows that if he allows that, then they're going to have U.S. military and reconnaissance on the border with Ukraine, and that would be a violation of the NATO treaty. So if Bakhmut does fall to Russia, the question then becomes, does the United States continue to help Ukraine fight what looks like an endless battle? If the Ukrainians can hold Russia and push back on Bakhmut and they preserve their important trade and communications route, then the war will continue and it'll continue to be a bloodbath. So, and all of that blood and treasure will have been lost. Uh, and I wanted to end, but I, I think the only way it's going to end is through diplomacy. It's negotiating what we can agree upon, get the people at the table and decide once in a while uh, how we're going to end the, the bloodshed. Both sides are going to have to sacrifice something. And I'm not totally unsure that Putin wouldn't want to do that because it would give him a victory and it would give Zelensky a victory if they both were able to negotiate peace. So during the show today, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, I want to talk about, well, I want to talk a lot about COVID because over the next couple of days, there's going to be some hearings about it and Boy, have I got a lot to say about that. When we continue, JR here. This is Speaking Out America. Horror has a face, and you must make a friend of horror. Horror and moral terror are your friends. If they are not, then they are enemies to be feared.
Welcome back to Speaking Out America. I'm your host, JR. Don't forget our website is speakingoutamerica.com. And this podcast across all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TuneIn, Stitcher, just search for Speaking Out America. Uh, JR here. Do I tell you, do I, can I tell you how much I detest Nancy Pelosi? I am so glad she is gone. To me, she was the scourge. She is the, the devil of the House of Representatives. Been there way too long. She is just a, uh, I, I don't think she's a good person. I think she sold her soul to the devil a long time ago. I'm not afraid to say it. She knew about the Chinese and coronavirus on January 16th. She knew it and she continued to pursue a, a what I thought was a ridiculous charge of impeaching Trump because he dared ask Zelensky uh, if he was following up on corruption in, in Ukraine and dared to ask what was Hunter Biden's role uh, sitting on the board of Burisma, which still has not had a satisfactory answer as far as I'm concerned. So this week, two things are happening. One is we're going to be having hearings about the origins and all the malfeasance that's involved with gain-of-function research, what Fauci's role is, what his role was in suppressing information through high-tech coordination and high-tech social media censorship. And we're also going to be viewing many of us, millions of us watch Tucker Carlson, and he's playing some of the video from the January 6th so-called insurrection that I believe was a plan of Nancy Pelosi's from the very beginning. She even had her daughter or niece show up. She had cameras rolling. I mean, she knew that there was going to be a hustle and a bustle on January 6th. I, I believe that she... Her intent all along was to create the optics of an insurrection to further distance Trump supporters from Trump and also to cement the hatred that was already being cemented in the American minds, the American public. And now we're seeing for the first time that, you know, the QAnon, was it, QAnon shaman, he was being escorted throughout the people's house, being let in, getting the keys out, letting him in. He was allowed in certain areas. He wasn't forcing himself in. And this is on video, and we didn't see any of it during the hearings. That's, that's just a lie. It's a lie. These people are supposed to uphold some semblance of integrity. And, and they, they foisted this January 6th fraudulent hearing upon the American people for a God knows how many months, and they withheld all of this evidence that clearly shows that it wasn't an insurrection. The The Capitol Police were allowing people in, and this is why uh, McConnell and Pelosi decided not to have National Guard. Even Trump wanted to have the National Guard because he knew there was going to be some very edgy people. And you had probably 100 or so FBI implants agitating, stirring thing, people up. This whole thing was a farce, and I believe that Nan Nancy Pelosi was behind it. I believe I'm saddened that her husband got uh, inflicted when that robber broke into their home, but I don't believe for a second that it wasn't a tryst. And I know I get criticized for that, but just, there's too many missing pieces, too many missing pieces there. And I think Nancy Pelosi once again wanted to use this violent act on her husband to again sow hatred in the minds of people by blaming it on Trump and his supporters. I just get sick of the lies. There's a, there's a great quote from The Verdict, and it talks about the institutions that we're supposed to trust, and we can't trust them anymore, and what that does. Think about COVID for a moment. Think about COVID for a moment. 
not just the United States. And, and by the way, let me say this. At the very beginning, around February, my first podcast on COVID was posted because I saw immediately what the media was doing. And they're going to have trials about this. And they're going to show that Fauci will end up in jail. I believe that Anthony Fauci will end up in jail. They will show that he conspired to do, perform, and, and fund gain-of-function research with the hope of coming up with a virus so that we could then introduce mRNA as, as, as the cure. And let me pull up while I can my website. By the way, all of this information is on my website, Speaking Out America. Be sure you type it in completely because Google will try to send you somewhere else. And at the very header on the menu page is COVID data. And you can see the, the, the count on worlds, countries, what's happening. The United States right now, there's been 1.146 million deaths from COVID-related illness. But uh, 102 million people, almost 103 million people, recovered. 1% death rate of those who got sick from COVID. 1.146 million people died from COVID-related illness, which represents 1% of those who were infected. Number of people recovered, 102,898,378, which represents 99% of those who were infected. Uh, just the last 24 hours alone in the United States, 21 people have succumbed to COVID-related illness. Gosh, remember when those numbers were really extremely high? Remember how high they were? And then we find out that a lot of the hospitals were fidging their own data. You know that the, the dirty side of all of this is that the COVID pandemic continues, but it's taken on an ugly form. Uh, the after effects of, of many people who have taken the vaccine because they trusted their institutions to tell them the truth uh, and the institutions of the CDC and the NIH, we now find and are finding that they are in cahoots with Moderna and Pfizer who stood to make billions of dollars and continue to make billions of dollars. If you sit through an, uh, an average night on TV watching the news, almost every other ad will be from some pharmaceutical company. They took a lot of that money and now they're reinvesting into promoting their other products. Some of those products are being used to treat people who are getting ill from the vaccine. It's hard to believe it isn't, isn't it? Let me give you some numbers. There have been 34,576 reports of people dying after they've taken their COVID vaccine. Within 72 hours, a majority of these events are recorded on the VAERS database, which is a CDC-sponsored database. It's not hard to find. If you go to speakingoutamerica.com, look at the menu bar, COVID, you'll see VAERS reports. Or you can go to openvares.com and see the same reports. They're published every week. Let me give you some other numbers. 193,000 people said that they had to go to the hospital after they took their vaccine. 147,000 people needed urgent care. 16,700 people suffered Bell's palsy. This is what I've been claiming all along with Justin Bieber. They call it something else, but it's saggy face. It's a nerve issue. It's a nerve ending. 10,000 people have suffered anaphylaxis. 222,000 people uh, had to go see a doctor after that. I was one of them, and I didn't even report it. I should have. Uh, 4,900 people reported miscarriages after getting a vaccine shot. 18,000 people 
18,706 people reported heart attacks. 26,000 people reported myocarditis. 63,862 people permanently disabled. 15,490 people reported getting the shingles. 42,000 reported a severe allergic reaction after getting. And this was primarily because Pfizer and Moderna didn't do the proper testing. This was an emergency use authorization experimental vaccine that we all signed on. It's just, this is the kind of stuff that happens, and this is why we don't trust our institutions. And that is a fact, Jack. Be right back. Speaking out, America, JR, stay tuned. The doctor's at the hospital, you, it's always what I'm going to do for you. And then you screw up, and it's, uh, we did the best that we could. I'm dreadfully sorry. And people like us live with your mistakes the rest of our lives. Do you get the feeling that the left-wing media wants Ron DeSantis to run for president? Do you think it's because, I'm stating the obvious here, do you think it's because they fear that Trump would win? i tell you what, I bet you there's 100 million people that will show up to vote for President Trump just to piss off the left. That's what I think. Yep, I think that's probably true. And they want DeSantis to run because they perceive DeSantis is either being... Uh, not as mm, not as electable, perhaps easier to attack, or they see him as Trump 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 light, which is what a lot of people, which would make it easier for a Democrat to win, uh, which is what I'm going to get to here in just a moment. I don't think that DeSantis wants to run right now. I think he can rest in his laurel, uh, laurels as the governor for another four years three or four years uh, in Florida. I think that people like him here. I think he feels comfortable in his skin. He does great things. He is setting the tone for the the new Republican Party, which is the party of responsibility, I hope. The party that pushed back against this strange, immoral, highly immoral ideology that is sweeping across the world. It's the number one reason why a lot of countries don't like us anymore. Uh, the other day there was a report of the U- Uganda president, not a country that I look with, with great esteem, but some reporter in the reporting pool asked if the Uganda president would be able to make time to meet with LGBTQ advocates, uh, uh, advocates from the United States. And he laughed. He said, why would I want to spend time with people that I think are absolutely corrupted? It would be a waste of my time. So they don't allow... For people to be gay in Uganda, you'll be put to death. They look at things a little differently over over there. Uh, anyway, so what we have here in our predicament is what's going to happen with Trump. And, and they had such high hopes for Kamala Harris. They really did. I mean, she was handpicked by the Obama circle. Uh, to be the uh, the next president of the United States, and it fell miserably thanks to Tulsi Gabbard. We talked about this last time on Speaking Out. And what happens is the party picks who they think will win, and then it's up to the press to either help them get a victory or if they don't like the party, in this case the Republican Party, they'll do everything they can to work with the Democratic Party 
to make sure that that person doesn't get elected, i.e. Ron DeSantis. So Trump would have a, he's already got that armor. He already has that protective armor. There, if they could find something that could stick on this guy, they, they've thrown everything but the kitchen sink at Donald Trump, and he's still, he is still, as he said, our retribution, right? So they're pushing Ron DeSantis out there because they see him as the weaker candidate, one that could be defeated if they could find the right presidential candidate. And they don't want Biden. They don't want Joe Biden to run again. This guy, every, almost every time now he gets on Air Force One, he, he trips. I read an article today that said that Joe Biden is just, he's tripping because he's losing his ability to walk right. And it's unfortunately something that we all face when we get into our upper years. He's got a gait. He's, he's got uh, some nerve damage. He's had an aneurysm, which I read. He talked about that at a recent press conference. Of course, he got all the facts messed up. So the point here is that the Democrats are, are searching for their next candidate, and it's probably not going to be this person. I'm going to share with you a very simple story, which is that I went home one day and I said, well, what's, why are conservatives bad, Mommy? Because I thought we were supposed to conserve things. <laughs> it's like the first time she ever heard it, right? I couldn't reconcile it. Now I can. Uh, how does she, I, I don't even know what that means. I listened to it about five times. And I said, what does she mean by now I can re reconcile? I don't even know if she knows what that word means. They wanted so much for her. And she just can't get it right. <laughs> this is, uh, and it's unfortunate. I'll tell you why it's unfortunate. Uh, I'll tell you why it's unfortunate. Yeah, I know, right? Invasion from Mars. There's Kamala. <laughs> uh, she was handed an opportunity here to do something that truly could have improved the lives of Americans. She could have fixed the border. She could have, but I don't, it was set up, she was set up to fail. They had no intention of fixing the border. From the very beginning, they wanted to undo everything that Trump was trying to do, which is to enforce border integrity. And why is that? Because the cartels love the American people. They are the steady, consistent, reliable customer to their illicit activity, whether it's drugs, whether it's prostitution, criminality, whatever it is. And sadly, she just failed miserably. She was given a task to handle the border, come up with a way where we could process all these migrants that were seeking refuge or asylum in the United States, make it orderly. Uh, and she and Joe Biden just screwed it up royally. And it's sad because I'll tell you something, she'll never have to live with walking home and getting raped by an illegal immigrant. Uh, she'll never have to worry about a child that might sniff some cocaine and instead sniff some fentanyl and drop dead within seconds. She won't have to deal with any of that because she's in the protected class. Kamala lives up there on the hill with the shiny lights and the chandeliers. She lives with the people who burden themselves with having to resolve the issues of their fellow man. In her world, two legs are good. Four legs bad, and we are the four-legged creatures. Uh, we are the deplorables. We are the people that uh, have white privilege. We are the people that have 
uh, oppressed her ancestors. She has no love for this country. If she did, she would have tried to do something to prevent the onslaught of illegal immigration. She would have done something for the people, uh, these people that are coming across America. She would have done something, but she did nothing except go down and meet with a couple of people uh, in Central America and say, I feel your pain. How can we fix this? How much money can we give you without addressing the real issue, which is that once you get to America, you get a lot of free stuff. You get free education, free shots for your immunizations. And if you're lucky and, uh, and you don't find a job right away, you'll get a nice check, place to live, and the government will basically take care of you the rest of your life, which is something they don't get from where they came from. And that's why they come here. Some of them, not all of them. I know a lot of Mexicans that come from the old country that come here and they work their entire lives. Second generation, third generation Mexicans who went the right way, came through the right process. And uh, they have succeeded. They have families. My father-in-law is one such Hispanic Mexican. But that's not the way that uh, most or many of them come out over now. Now there's just an onslaught, an army of cartel members and gangsters and they are flooding the streets with fentanyl and other illicit drugs, as they've been doing since as long as I can remember, but they're doing it with the blessings of the Biden administration, and that's what makes me sick. And this is the person responsible. So we'll hear from Kamala uh, on this program. She's not going anywhere, but I will tell you when we come back, here's a little bit more from our vice president. Space is exciting. It spurs our imaginations. And it forces us to ask big questions. The governor and I, and we were all um, doing a tour of the library here and um, talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time in terms of what we need to do to lay these wires, what we need to do to create these jobs. And there is such great significance to the passage of time when we think about a day in the life of our children. I wonder if she has an Apple Watch. Vice President Kamala Harris. In a moment, I'll tell you who I think the Democrat choice for the next president will be. Stay tuned. Speaking out, America. The name is JR. The show is Speaking Out America. The website is the same, speakingoutamerica.com. And the podcast, as you know, Speaking Out America. Pretty simple. I just got off the phone with a guy who owns a radio station. This will tickle your fancy. Guy, guy runs a radio station uh, in a beautiful city, one of America's most beautiful cities. Uh, sunshine, tourists everywhere, just like a Jimmy Buffett song. And he tells me that he is having advertisers cancel, not because business isn't good, but because business is too good. Can you believe that? He is, these people are telling him, pull our ads. And he's saying, wait a minute, 
wait. Uh, you you just told me that you you can't even keep up with the business. It's so good from the advertising. What gives? The guy tells me that the customers that have the advertising say, we don't have the workers. We don't have people that are willing to work. So we're having to turn away business because of that. And because we're giving, we're, we're too successful, we can't handle the workload. Have you noticed that when you go to a store, the service takes a little longer uh, it just seems like customer service isn't what it used to be. I know that in South Florida, where I live, we had that horrible hurricane a long time ago, six months ago, and it and it basically almost destroyed anything that was older than 20 years old in terms of buildings and infrastructure. Uh, and we had our lights out for a couple of weeks. I mean, there was no there was no electricity, there was no cell phone. It was it was rough going for a little while there, but. The subsequent aftermath is that there's plenty of jobs. There's plenty of people who can go and do day laboring and make good money, roofers, electricians, people who build these cages that go over uh, homes that are lanai's to keep out the bugs. There's all kinds of work here. My daughter who works a uh, food truck at Fort Myers Beach, she is, um, she is, uh, she's got too much work. But there's not enough bodies to fill a lot of the jobs that are available. And this is happening not just here. It's happening everywhere. Young people are living at home. You have any kids living at home? Uh, They can't afford their rent. And why can't they afford their rent? Because the real estate went up and uh, landlords that invested in that, they have to make their money. They have to pay their mortgage. So they have to pay or they have to charge more for rents. So rents now, when I was young, and I know this is going to sound like a long time ago, my first apartment in Hollywood, California, back in 1980, was $300 for one room, and I had to share a bathroom. I upgraded. I finally found a place for 350 that had a much larger room, but it was still one room, and I still had to share the bathroom. And that was 1980 through 1984. And then I finally got a one-bedroom apartment for $700, which I could barely afford. That was 20 years ago. So I, I would think that over that, well, not even 20, it's uh, 80, that's 20, 40 years ago, 40 years ago, 43 years ago, rents for a one-bedroom studio around 750 So is it unreasonable that over 40 years that rents might double where you would have to pay 1500 maybe $2,000 now for a one-bedroom or a two-bedroom? That's, that doesn't seem that expensive to me. But when you're a young person, they still think that things should be cheap. Young people walk around and they think things should be cheap. They don't understand that half of your money goes towards rent as it used to for me. I didn't make a lot of money. I remember when minimum wage was three seventy-five, and you made it work. And if you had to get a second job, you got a second job. And by the way, that is why we have so much unemployment. It's not that the workable force is working. It's that many people are having to get a second job, older people like me or you, to be able to keep that mortgage going. But now we have the added expense of our kids being home. There are more kids living at home with their parents in later years than in the last hundred years. Now, when I was young, I wanted to get out of the house and and be on my way. Apologize for that. But the thing is, is that It's different now. 
Young people have less tolerance for working. They don't like to work. They have a bad attitude. They have a chip on their shoulder. They're complaining. I read somewhere that, uh, that well, of course, you know about the reparations in California. They just want to give money to people because they have ancestors that may have been slaves, even though California never had slavery. And there's a, there's a very strange thing going on where we've created this maternalistic government that wants to pay for people to live. They want to give them a guaranteed income. This was that Yang, Andrew Yang's uh, political position. He wanted to give universal income. And what ends up happening when you have, you know, free money or you have mom, pa pay for something or the government hands you a stimulus check is what happens is you, you, you have a skewed view of living. You think that you're entitled to whatever it is that you are entitled to just by the mere fact that you exist. Young children today, they're raised with this idea that they're special and that they're going to grow up and everything's going to be just hunky-dory because they're special. They are just special kids. Just just for existing, they're so damn special. Uh, and then they get older and they realize, wait a minute, i got to work 40 hours a week at... Uh, $10 an hour. My God, that's only 1600 a month. Then they're going to take taxes out. And I got to, I can't live on 1600 a month. That will take half of my rent. I might as well live at home where I can get free food and free electricity and free cable and, and sit around. I could still go work, but at least I won't have to work 40 hours a week. That would be a stressful situation for me. I can't work at a gas station for eight hours a day. Are you nuts? My friends are at home. They're playing Video game. I got to be a home where the action is, or I got to stare at my my cell phone and stay on top of what's happening on social media. This is what they do. This is the mindset of the Western civilized young person. You know, there's a theory that the reason that Rome fell, and there are many theories about why Rome fell, and we should look at all of them because, you know, what they say: if you forget history, you're bound to repeat it. But one of the problems that Rome had, or at least one of the things that they did, and remember, this is 2,000 years ago. Rome was what America was in the 1950s when it still had some integrity and we weren't run by a deep state. Uh, but the, uh, the situation there was that they liberated the young people. They were emancipated, much like in America or in the West, where you're allowed to vote at 18 and uh, of course, there's military service, which we don't do anymore. We don't have the draft, so people don't go in unless they want to. Um, but my point is that they liberated these young people during the the early Roman Empire. It, they could get married or not get married, and, and they could just do whatever they wanted. It, and it, what it did was it bred a culture of non-commitment, uh, that there were enough resources to take care of because at that time Rome was a wealthy country. But wealth doesn't last forever. It's just like energy. It has to come from somewhere. And over time, the attitude started to change. People just have... You've seen the videos? Have you seen some of these videos? I just saw one on Instagram the other day. Three people get into this Uber car and they start beating the crap out of the Uber driver because he gave them bad attitude. And it was a woman... I saw the other day also in the store, you saw, or the teacher that was attacked by uh, her high school student because he took away the, uh, the PlayStation that he wanted to, to play. This is the new generation that we have. 
people that were raised in the 90s and the aughts, and they had too much wealth and so much, and there was a lot of wealth. My God, you know, you could probably compare the aughts and the tens. It was easier to buy a home. They were practically giving them away. Uh, and that was the age of, I think, over-luxury. And what has now happened is you have a generation of kids now that are in their early 20s, and they don't know what it's like to have to work. It's a serious problem in our country. They've lowered the standards on, on who they can hire. Uh, you know, the Memphis police, most of those guys that were involved in that beating a few weeks ago, uh, they were all newbies. They were brand new. They hadn't even been on the force for a couple of years because the need for police officers is much greater than the actual applicants. Anybody can get a job as a cop. I think they've lowered the standards in a lot of cities because they need the bodies. And, of course, nobody wants the bodies because our media has made sure that we've demonized law enforcement, as you've seen. I'm going to tell you a story about this place, uh, and this sort of encapsulates what I'm talking about here. Because every one of those people that we saw that, that tried to take down the Atlanta Police Academy, which is what it is, it's a training facility for cops in Atlanta. Atlanta is the seventh largest city in the country. It's got three, four million people. They need cops. They need a huge police force. In L.A., they have a place where I used to hang out as a kid. It was right across the street from Elysian Park, which is Dodger Stadium. And they have the Los Angeles Police Academy there. At least I think it's still there. And it's a beautiful place. It's got a lot of trees. It's, a, it's in the uh, uh, famous ravine that Vince Scully used to refer to a lot, Chavez Ravine. And it's a nestled away sort of uh, on the back end of MacArthur Park. Sorry, I keep hitting my microphone there. Anyway, this, this L.A. Police Academy, to me, I looked at it with a certain amount of respect. It was a, a very well-developed piece of property, and I knew that police were trained there. And I had a profound respect for law enforcement back then because on, on some occasions they actually saved my life. What I saw happen on Sunday in Atlanta is exactly the metaphor for our young. If you saw the faces of the people, they're all young, except for maybe one or two. This is the age that we live in where even our youth have turned their back on Western civilization. And they also want to transform it into some idyllic utopia where everything is free and everyone owns nothing. And where do you think they're getting that information from? The problem we have right now is cultural. We have no moral conscience. This is Speaking Out America, JR. Catch you next time.